This is Splice. Now, unmuted and recording. Even better. That's right. Let's see who shows up today. The funny thing about this is that my window, I can't change my window size, and you yeah. can. Right. I always forget to scroll because it doesn't give me an indication that there are more people below the chat, b below the visible chat window. Yeah. So, yeah. Might be just you and me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. You know, which is also fine. Well, at least last week's was good. <laughs> last week was good. Yeah. Crickets. 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 <laughs> Ah, Murga. Thanks for saving us from each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought things might be getting awkward right around now, so I thought. I was <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Murga. How are you guys doing? Constantly having to make conversation with each other, and we don't even know what to say. You know. I know it must get tiresome. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> very. <laughs> and hello to Juni. Thanks for, for joining us today. Hey, Junie. Hey, guys. <laughs> Morning. Morning. Hey, you How missed you the product. The, the, the news product alliance uh, mix. Yeah. Really nice. How was, was that? It was good. It was like about 20, 25 people from all over the world, from Australia to Honolulu and everything else in between. In oh, Asia, nice. Asia oh, US great. mostly, of course. Yeah, it was good. Good. Very nice. Well, a surprising number of uh, nonprofits uh, taking part as well in in the NPA. So that was cool to see. About half the room actually were were nonprofits. Oh. Ah. <laughs> huh. Great scene setter, yeah. <laughs> Today's uh, what's right. another what's another recent nonprofit we've heard of? Exactly. Arc. Yeah. Uh there quite a few yeah. actually. Some of the startups are, are all going. Uh, there was a woman in Australia uh, who runs uh, Siren, one of the eight co-founders of a women's uh, media sports sports media startup, and oh, they're also running a nonprofit. Yeah. yeah, that was very. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, I think you know. I think the the lawyer and you, Junie, should be uh, doing a segment on this one day. Um, <laughs> the, the benefits of nonprofit and and the myths behind them. Right. I, I think it makes commercial sense. It really does. So, uh, it, it, because you know, I think we have to be realistic, right? The, the the good old days of you know huge profit margins are, are no more. Uh, yeah. and, and I think to you know, but but to move forward, we obviously need you know there needs to be some investment in this money coming into the space. Readers, while we work on the case, uh, and, and you know the, the case of creating value for readers. Hmm. To to pay and part with their precious <laughs> hard earned money, right? So, yeah, news as a product that mindset unfortunately hasn't quite sort of sunk in yet, and and because people have been getting their news for free for for you know years and years and years, thanks yeah. to advertising, uh, you know the consumer has expected to get news for free. It's just exactly. become the way of life, <laughs> and that's a habit that needs to be broken. Unlike say like cable or you know Netflix, where where people, you know, the, the services launched from the very start as paid services. So people then realize that, oh, okay, if I don't pay for my Netflix or Spotify, I, don't, I just don't get my quality content. So, yeah. I <laughs> uh, want to say good morning to our friend Janie. Thanks for joining us. The Janie. The, ah, hi, Janie. 
Yay! I was going to the um, News Product Alliance call this morning, too. Yes, I saw you there. <laughs> nice. Was it good, Janie? It was. Um, it's just a networking session. Um, mm. I thought it was a good format because they broke us out into breakout rooms. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, so every room has like three people, so it's easier to, you know, just chat and not the overwhelming. Right. I sent them an email. Um, I sent Becca an email uh, in response to an earlier one. It said that it was at 9 a.m. Singapore time, uh, the first one. But I like think they got, the time, they got the time zones wrong. Ah, it, it was 8 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. I didn't wake up early for that one. <laughs> I know, Maybe man. one day, one day we should do a combined uh, uh, coffee yeah. chat with them. That would be interesting. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's uh, it's four minutes past eleven here. Uh, just a heads up: we're recording this and we're making this publicly available on our website for those who can't join us today. Obviously, we would love for you to speak openly, but if you want to be taken off the record, let us know and we'll edit you out in post. Uh, we started the recording about 10 minutes ago, uh, just when people were coming in. So all of that will go out as well, unless you want us to pull that out. Just let us know. You know, we're, um, we're actually going to be talking about um, how, how um, SPH went, went uh, non-profit. Um, which is something that Alan and Juni and all you other guys know a lot more about than I do. Uh, so I'm in here as a as an interested observer or, or listener. Um, you know, if if actually somebody could explain why this is a good move for the newbies in the room like me, I would love that. Alan, you wanna you wanna you wanna explain? Oh. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I think you know the 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 one thing to take away from all of this is that uh, when when you are a non nonprofit or rather not for profit, all the money that you make as part of the of the business entity goes back into the business, and so you can't give it out to your to your shareholders. You know, you can't pay out dividends and and whatnot. Uh, so all the money is reinvested into the business, which helps obviously you keep costs down, but it also helps to build a more sustainable uh, uh, business in the in the long term. Um, so yeah, so the, the good thing is that whatever money you make goes back into hiring new staff, you know, buying equipment, uh, training, all of that, that good stuff, uh, instead of giving it out to, to shareholders. Uh, Juni, is that, is that, uh, an accurate representation? Um, yeah, pretty much so. Um, there are, it's not new, the idea of a nonprofit and, you know, for good, for the public good and information is a public good kind of idea is, is really, you know, not new. It's it's only because uh, the the situation, I and mean, we've all sort of grown up on this model of, uh, you know, I guess in Singapore, the, the two media giants, uh, SBH on one hand, publicly listed, uh, and, and MediaCorp on the other. Which I think at one point might have toyed with that that idea, but you know, in the end, um, it it just never came to fruition. Uh, so so we have this sort of duopoly situation with two ma big mainstream media companies, uh, which is sort of well, unusual as well because uh, you know me well media in the good old days of 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 being um, you know the gatekeeper of everything uh, and and advertising was good you know things were well um, prof a lot of profit was made and 
and then I think as, as slowly, you know, the company and actually SPH has been doing a lot of good things. They 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 did they diversified very early. Uh, that is something which a lot of other news companies around the world uh, are discovering now to say, oh, okay, we've got to look for other things, you know. So we've got very interesting examples around the world. Uh, they, you know, there are companies that are doing everything from. Um, uh, even selling bandwidth, you know, selling electricity at, at very low cost uh, to readers. Uh, a lot of companies have gone into like video streaming, uh, you know, of course, property um, uh, investments. Uh, that's also been seen around the world. Uh, uh, logistics, you know, leveraging off the, the, the delivery, uh, newspaper delivery network to do other forms of logistics and deliveries, uh, e-commerce these days, of course. Uh, so, so, you know, they, they, they did this very, very early on. And, and then this became the the way to sustain the, the media business. But I guess moving forward, the numbers just don't work out, you know, projecting and looking at years of decline in terms of uh, advertising revenue and, and so on. So, so SPH is so diversified now. They've got, besides property, they've gone into student housing overseas. Of course, this is probably not the best time for property as well, but you know, the, the pre-COVID era, it was, um, property was doing very, very well. Uh, they've gone into startups, they've invested in a slew of startups, they've even exited some of those investments quite well. Uh, they've done, you know, nursing homes, uh, you know, I say almost cradle to grave because honestly, um, they've got, you know, kindergarten investments in, in tuition centers. And so all these are, you know, I think doing reasonably well for them. Uh, and, and, and have managed to actually keep the media business going. But I think going forward, uh, as, as a publicly listed company with obligations to shareholders, this cannot be sustainable. They can't just be propping up something that's loss-making. So a couple exactly. of months ago, there was a um, there was a, 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 sharp, a, a sharp increase in the share price on rumours that the, the media business would be hived off. So actually the, the market was, it seemed very optimistic, you know, and, and I sort of asked around, so what, what's happening? <laughs> they said, oh, there are these rumors going around that the media business will go hyped off. So, so I think actually, uh, I, know, I know the pr the price didn't rise sharply after the announcement. That could be for In fact, it fell. <laughs> it fell like 15%. 15% that, that Friday. Yeah, last Friday. Um, but I think a couple of months ago, there was some optimism there. So I think as, as moving forward, the non-media side of the business will continue uh, operating, of course, commercially uh, as a public listed company, uh, not subject to the uh, the uh, printing presses, newspaper printing presses uh, act, uh, because it will be no longer a media business. Uh, and then this new entity that will be hyped off uh, as a CLG, a comp uh, company limited by guarantee, will be, you know, non-profit. Yeah. So you know the, the interesting thing is that um, you know the uh, the executives keep referring to the Guardian as an example of this. Do you think that that's a uh, a fair comparison? Um, I think it's perhaps uh, you know legally as a legal structure, uh, there are uh, already you know precedents out there uh, in in that form. So even the 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 woman this morning whom we were speaking to uh, during the NPA mixer. Uh, they've also formed uh, basically a not-for-profit company. It sounded very much like, I think she wasn't very sure of the, the legal structures, but I think uh, it sounded very similar to, to what is being done as CLG kind of uh, vehicle. So it, it does make sense uh, to to do that, I guess, to, to create this uh, trust uh, and then uh, say, okay, the entity 
uh, this trust can then operate the various uh, news titles, products. It's not clear yet whether uh, how whether this this trust will then have what what sort of legal entities or corporate entities will be under this trust. That that has not been actually uh, articulated yet. So are they going to be companies? Are they going to be you know, how are they going to be set up? I, we, we really don't know at this point. But I think it was said in Parliament that the, the, the entities set up under the trust would be subject to the Newspapers Printing Presses Act. Now, what that what that's quite interesting because the Newspaper Printing Presses Act actually uh, requires that um, uh, well defines newspaper company as a public company limited by shares. Uh, and that's we know that is not what the uh, CLG is going to be. So uh, whether or not the MPPA will be uh, amended, um, again, it has not been mentioned. So we'll have to wait and see. Isn't the Guardian model somewhat different, though? Uh, I mean, you know, I think they also, apart from being a not-for-profit, uh, are also um, huge for their, for their crowdfunding or rather their donation model, which, which, as we all know, I mean, functions with that famous porous uh, paywall. Uh, you get that bright yellow thing that said, now that you're here from Singapore, you know, uh, uh, let us remind you that, you know, you can, they also have an interesting, you know, uh, get rid of the ads model. Uh, so, I mean, I remember reading a statistic that back in 2019, when they, when they more than exceeded their target, over 25% of, of donations actually came in from outside of the UK. Uh, in fact, outside of their, their primary markets, which is the UK and Australia, Australia and the US. Um, I wonder if it'd be interesting to see SPH go down that route, a version of reader revenue mixed with donation, mixed with an ad-free model, mixed with some kind of paywall that still exists. Uh, I'm curious about the the non-technical parts uh, and the user uh, uh, and, and product parts of, of, of this new model as well. I, I believe those will be left to the, you know, the entity to, to decide because the, the trust, it, from, from what we can see so far, the trust will be set up. Uh, trust usually implies, you know, the financial aspects of it. And uh, I'm presuming, and I really don't know because at this point that there are no details yet. I mean, the that the whole management team has not been formed. <laughs> Only a you know chairman and, and the, the acting CEO have been named. Uh, and they would then the task would follow them to build this management team up. So uh, that I, I think we're, we're all kind of jumping ahead here because until we, we know um, you know the team is in place and has had some time to to actually uh, decide how they want to go move forward with this. But it does sound like I mean from what's been said so far, it does sound like the um, th this uh, this model of SPH Media will be, of course, uh, freer to 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 receive funding from various sources, such as philanthropic organisations, uh, government funding, private sector, corporate, and, and all that. So that I, I think that doesn't. Uh, I mean, advertising and all that will not stop. That that will still continue. I think the difference is, is, is what Alan mentioned earlier: the the funds and the the, the surpluses, the proceeds will then be ploughed back into the company to be reinvested into technology, talent, and so on. And already on the talent front, they've already announced like you know they want to go move, make um, you know invest in heavily in training. They're going to set up the the, the media academy. 
which is a good thing um, because the, the school of journalism, the old days, you know, a lot, every rookie SB, uh, you know, SBH reporter will remember having gone through the school of journalism. Uh, and, and it was well known for its vigorous training, you know, T-line, you had to pass your T-line. <laughs> you uh, the, the, the trainers were really strict, you know, great standards, um, some really, really brilliant minds uh, teaching uh, there. So, so you know, this, of course, the skills have evolved. Uh, some of the skills don't change, like obviously accuracy, speed, and, and so on, uh, verify your sources, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, there's a whole new layer of digital skills that needs to be added to the mix. So. So you know that on that front, I think they they know well. I, I think if if we look at the parallels with the broadcasting industry, it took a, a, a report, uh, and I'm just trying to recall the name of the report now on public service broadcasting. And this is you know widely available. You can broadcast it. It took a list of recommendations in order to increase the amount of funding to uh, public and allocation to public service broadcasting as well to increase standards, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, with budgets being cut and you know, advertising down, et cetera, et cetera, MediaCorp was also struggling to produce quality programs. And so this was probably about 10 years ago. There was a, a report that said, look, you need to invest more to get better quality programs. And I think the, the quality is now evident. These, the quality has gone up uh, quite substantially in terms of local broadcasting. So, so I, I, you know, I believe that the Definitely, there will be good investments in talent uh, development and, and so on. But of course, uh, right now with, with so much uncertainty and you know nothing concrete, it's everybody's you know, concerned, understandably, because there's just been so much, so many changes happening in the industry. So, so of course, and, and of course, the, the company SPH itself had gone through retrenchments for about 200, 300 over staff. So, in the last three years, although I think they've there's not been any retrenchments of editorial people in the last two years, um, but even then, you know, they've been quite—they've uh, gone through a lot, you know. So it, that whole concern and worry is very understandable, of course. This is probably a good time to bring in a a former SPH employee, uh, Karen. Karen Vera, can you uh, can you jump in? I know Hi. you've got a question. Yes, yes. Uh, greetings from my yes, former SPH magazines employee. Um, I hope that still counts. And anyway, I was following on Rashad's thought about how non-UK non visitors, you know, know the Guardian and head to the Guardian. And so if SPH moves to a model, um, is there any any interest on the Straits Times outside of Singapore? Uh, and that's it's an honest question and it's not a meant to dismiss what Singaporeans um, want to see in their media. Yeah, yeah I'm curious I'll, about that, Alan. <laughs> yeah, I was going to jump in here uh, just to, to uh, well, first of all, we've got a, a little comment here from uh, from Nicholas Yong, uh, who says that their coverage used to be really good, uh, and now that it's being taken overtaken by by SEMP, which I which I agree. I think you know the the, the one interesting thing about the SEMP is that when when you ask uh, you know someone like Zoraida over there uh, what she thinks of of the Southeast Asia coverage and you know the perceptions of of the of, of the work that you do, she'll tell you that uh, all it takes is for the SEMP to publish one story about Singapore every other week, and people would automatically think that they've done uh, a tremendous job covering the region. Uh, and I think that's a very honest kind of view around it. And I think it also makes sense, right? Um, like like you and I often say, Rashad, you don't need a thousand articles uh, being pumped out a day. And sometimes you just need to to drop that impression uh, in people's minds that, you know, that this region's being covered uh, for people who have a favorable um, uh, opinion of you. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, I still remember, I used to work there like many, many years ago, right? And I still remember re being really impressed by their world coverage and by, you know, the, the world desk was doing a great, great job and, and the regional desk was doing a great job. Uh, money did good, good, good work. So these guys were known for, for their product uh, at a desk level and at a, at a, at a regional level and, a, and even at an opinion level. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, if they can take those products and use those uh, and use this entire new legal setup uh, uh, or entity as, as a huge new opportunity. I'd love to see that happen. Um, they should count the SEMP as a real competitor. And that makes for uh, always, always, always makes for a better product. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, as as we, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, SPH as a, you know, the future of it as a, as a nonprofit model, we often forget that nonprofit is not a business strategy at all. It's a it's a business entity. It's a legal entity. Uh, it still requires uh, a very thorough uh, idea of what the product is and what the audience is and, you know, how do you extract value from all that? Yeah, I think you're, you're right, Alan. It, it is not a, I mean, nonprofit doesn't mean you, you throw <laughs> financial caution to the wind and you can spend, you know, uh, without having to worry about the business side of things. It is still, after all, a business. It has to be sustainable. Uh, there are obligations, uh, you know, SPH currently uh, in its current form as a public listed company has nearly 4,000 employees. And if you say, you know, even if you assume like say half uh, go over to the, um, I don't have the exact numbers, but you know, let's just assume half go over to the media business, or perhaps even more. Then uh, the the SBH Media has an obligation to to pay, you know, two thousand over whatever employees it has, uh, and there have to be ways found to to fund and, and to pay them a, a decent wage, of course. Uh, and and uh, already, I think it's been it's been said in, in Parliament that uh, you know wages need to be fair, and and of course professional rates, and you know to pay you know every this is not a charity, obviously, and, and nobody is a volunteer. So, so all those uh, finances need to be worked out, uh, and of course, moving forward, a business model needs to be put into place. And of course, it has to be a business model with at least generating some surpluses in order to be sustainable. And therefore, you can invest in, in more technology and, and more people and more products and, and ideas as well. So, so I think the the, the interesting thing is is whether or not you know all, all these things that we've been talking about here spikes you know product mindset design thinking you know these these ideas which uh, and a lot of ideas actually uh, are being borrowed from from technology so from tech sector and if, if some of these ideas can be implemented that would be a very good thing yeah absolutely i wanted to ask um you know all all the other folks um i don't want to i i don't want us to be sucking up the the uh the bandwidth here so um I notice Anita's in there. Kamshat, our friend from Mongolia, is there. Uh, and and Shayan, Olia. Anita has just joined. Uh, anybody have questions, uh, please do jump in, um, either related to SPH in particular, nonprofit uh, models in general, uh, or share a story of, of nonprofit news that you've been involved with. Uh, we're here to learn. Even in their own countries, you know, what what are the examples and how do those nonprofits operate in those countries? Exactly. 
And if we don't have questions, seriously, interrupt me. <laughs> uh, uh, if we don't have questions, uh, I know we want to. Uh, Alan's gonna. Alan's gonna bring on uh, 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 somebody in the room. Yeah, let's let's just do that. Uh, so Daniel Machette is here with us uh, today. Daniel works at Globe, uh, which is based in Phnom Penh. Uh, yesterday, they announced a, uh, a crowdfunding uh, round. Uh, they're looking to raise $100,000 to help uh, uh, with business operations, specifically around cash flow, uh, as Cambodia goes into a really, really strict lockdown. Uh, Daniel, are you, are you here? Yeah, Alan, can you guys hear me? Absolutely. Tell us, um, tell us where the biggest crunch is for you right now when it comes to uh, to your, you know, pay the payment of invoices and and uh, and outgoing um, um, costs. Sure. Thanks, Alan. So, um, yeah. So I'm Daniel. I'm the general manager at Southeast Asia Globe. Uh, as Alan mentioned, we're we're actually kind of going through our first real um, round of of lockdowns and restrictions here in Cambodia. Throughout 2020, everything was was pretty much business as usual, um, and you know, last March, March 2020, when things were locking down around us, we kind of scrambled to to secure up uh, funding and secure up new revenue streams, and and ended up taking on a lot of new projects and um, developing our a new Khmer language publication. So we added a publication to our roster. Um, we grew our editorial team. Um, and then, of course, as, as those things go, our costs went up. So so for us, our, our biggest challenge is, is salaries and to pay for the salaries for, for our writers. Um, we have, and as you alluded to, we have quite a few invoices out um, to clients, um, but at the moment, it's just not really possible to call that money in. Um, you know, everyone is tightening their belt as much as possible. And so, you know, at the end of the day, if, if our clients and partners that we've worked with for a long time are, are healthy and survive this thing, you know, so will we. Um, so we can't really put the screws to anybody and, and, and demand cash in. At the same time, we have a really you know, great revenue projections in terms of contracts signed, but we can't, we can't travel. We can't execute a lot of these contracts that, that, um, you know, we have commitments for. So those are really just on hold. So, um, as I mentioned last year, we, we kind of made some pivots and, and we really developed and kind of an agency, um, aspect of what we do. So we're working with a lot of development organizations, NGOs, um, some foreign um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, foreign um, uh, delegations to do some marketing and communications content production. Um, so we're doing videos, we're doing articles, photography, all these things. But most of them require trips around Cambodia, trips to the provinces, in-person interviews and all these things. And those are just stopped at the moment. So again while the revenue projections look good until things clear up we can't execute on those contracts and we're really just kind of stuck yeah i think you guys are in a really hard situation here i was looking at the uh, some of the graphs that you have on your website 
you know, I, obviously a large chunk of this is going toward uh, staff costs. And I think that was like 75%, if I'm not mistaken, that, that I saw. Um, so if, if you were able to, if you were able to raise a hundred K, how, how much runway does that give the organization? Yeah. So a hundred K gets us through to the end of the year, um, and probably a little bit into, into 2022. Um, we, I mean, we operate around, uh, you know, around 220 K a year in terms of costs and operational costs, including salaries and everything like this. So, so since we're already, you know, we're in May, close to June, 100K will get us to the end of the year by being able to keep the team, kind of maintain operations as we're looking at them. We did, in fact, May and June, uh, sorry, April, May, June, we've already determined and informed the team we've reduced salaries by 25%. So we haven't had to make any cuts yet and we're kind of going at, you know, um, kind of burning as little as possible at the moment. Um, but again, we don't want to lay anyone off. So 100K should allow us to maintain operations as they are till the end of the year. Um, and hopefully, you know, the situation will improve. Um, here in Cambodia, they're doing a really ambitious vaccination drive, um, which is, you know, kind of impressive, I think, compared to, to a lot of uh, other other countries. So with those hopes that things improve, we should be able to call in those invoices by, you know, towards the end of this year, we should be able to execute some of these contracts. Um, so really, the 100K gives us that kind of six to seven month runway. Right, six to seven months. I wonder, uh, you know, Dan, I remember when you launched your, your membership uh, program, um, and that, uh, you know, I was just wondering if this might be a cool time to rebrand that um, and and pivot that to uh, towards this fundraising effort. Um, again, you know, you know, this might be a, you know, I'm kind of thinking of taking a leaf out of Frontier Myanmar's book, um, and they had they had two obviously two crazy events to to uh, to pin their membership drive on. Uh, one was obviously, uh, you know, everybody had, uh, everybody was hit with COVID and they had just launched in January of 2020. Um, and of course, um, it was weirdly and perversely kind of good timing because that's exactly when we were all hit by COVID. But then of course they were hit by the coup. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, um, and they've done a smart job of actually pivoting their membership drive to uh, towards these these calls for support, and it would be interesting to see uh, if if that might be a, a rebranding effort uh, that that you guys do. Yeah, that's a really good point, Rashad. And I and, and we've um, we we launched our memberships in March of la late March of last year in response to COVID. So we, we were still waiting to get a few items lined up um, from a, a technical and editorial side of things. And then we just decided, hey, we, we need to really, um, you know, jump on this um, kind of, as I mentioned earlier, find all ways to bring in revenue. So for this uh, fundraising drive, this crowdfunding drive, we are, you know, offering memberships for for those who are, are donating and we have a, a number of tiers. So anyone who's supporting, you know, we're, we're giving the opportunity to, you know, 
if you're a member, extend your membership. Uh, if you're not a member, get one to gift memberships. We have a few tiers that are lifetime memberships and, and allow you some, some additional extra benefits. So I think, I think, yeah, it's definitely a good time to reassess how we position the memberships in general, uh, moving forward as well, whether it's during this crowd crowdfunding, um, you know, uh, period or and beyond. So, so we are kind of, we're positioning it as crowdfunding. Um, but you know, we're not, we're not always just the idea is not just to ask for, for your cash. Um, we are doing our best to offer something in exchange, which again is mostly through memberships and, and some, some form of membership. That sounds amazing. Actually. Um, I'm just, I'm just speaking here for Olia who, who has a sleeping uh, son lying next to him. And so he's, He's on quiet mode, uh, but the, but that means we can we we, we can editorialize Olia for you. Um, so Olia saying that um, it would be really good to know how the regional media uh, are doing outside of their home bases, like TST and CNA, SEMP, Mothership, Coconut, in terms of readership, and and that would be a really I'd love to be able to. Uh, uh, it would be interesting to do even just a dipstick kind of poll uh, to figure out what their readership numbers are currently. Um, but yeah, hey, that's another can, can of uh, that's another can of audience product worm. Um, so for for sure, um, interesting point. I want to know if there are questions, uh, questions for Dan, questions for Juni, questions for anybody. Or any announcements you, that you want to make? If you've got a an opportunity coming up, uh, a workshop, uh, open open jobs at your organization, this is a good place to to talk about them. We welcome Shane. I'm curious. I'm curious to find out if there's any interest, uh, you know, in, in folks across the region to form, say, uh, you know, regional ad alliance, or would they be keen on joining? There, there are already some initiatives like that even in the region I and mean, we've seen some come some go across the world uh the the new zealand example uh which was sort of held as, as a sort of a case you know best practice kind of thing didn't quite uh, survive unfortunately or at least i've heard it hasn't done too well but uh i don't, I don't know because advertising is, is something that is still very much uh, in favor in, in the favor in, in this part of the world. Uh, I think some publishers who are hesitating uh, moving into a paid or reader revenue model are still trying to bank on advertising. So if, if there is scale, you know, power in numbers uh, coming together, you know, to offer premium or quality content, then obviously if, if, if publishers band together across the region, that it kind of makes sense on a scale level. The question is always in the execution and in the pricing. Cool. Uh... I, I have to agree, I think, you know, and and not, not to open yet another can of worms around this stuff, but I think uh, uh, given where we are on third-party cookies, I think this is a really great time for uh, for publishers to work on first-party first uh, data. Um, very, very important in this space, especially if you're in the advertising space. Uh, other questions, comments before we close this down? We've kind of exceeded our, our 30 minutes this morning. It's good to see Shamindra in there. Long time no here, uh, Shamindra. Sorry, I don't mean to put people on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, there are no other questions. Uh, just wanted to take uh, you know the moment to to thank everybody for for showing up on what is our fourth session now, right, Rashad? Pretty sure it's the fourth. I'm enjoying these. I like I like that they're small and 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 uh, you know close and and I also like that they're they're tiny. You know, I don't think I think this might be a long longest. Or maybe the last time we went to about forty minutes because people were pretty excited. And that was nice. Uh, yeah, I think that's a wrap. Very good. And I'm before gonna... before we just before we close this off, um, uh, going back to Daniel's uh, uh, fundraiser, if you want to support the globe, uh, go to the URL southeastasiaglobe.com. Uh, you'll see the the fundraiser there. I really like how they've broken up uh, this into multiple tiers for for donors. Uh, I think this is a really great uh, way to to ask for money and to and to make it count for uh, for members. Uh, so thank you, I everybody. Just for... linked into the into the Telegram chat. That link is in the Telegram chat as well. Yes. yes. So check that out and thank you all for your time. Let us know what you would like to hear uh, in our next session, and uh, and we'll be in touch. You know where to find us. Thank you, guys. Incredible. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys. This is Splice.